Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, we have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how does it help us in our day-to-day life, how it is relevant in today's world situation. Vipassana is a very ancient technique discovered by Buddha, the Enlightened One, 26 centuries back. It is a technique to understand how misery arises, how one becomes miserable and how one can come out of misery. One understands the reality within oneself at the experiential level. Misery in life is quite evident After taking birth, one may become sick, that is a misery. As one grows, one becomes old, the body starts decaying, that is a misery. Then the death, even the thought of the death is a misery. To face death is a great misery, but inevitable. You can't avoid. And in the life, one keeps on getting associated with undesirables, undesirable person, undesirable incident, undesirable situation. One becomes miserable. One gets disassociated with desirables, desirable incidents, situations, persons, one gets miserable. One starts craving to get something one does not get and one becomes miserable. Even when one acquires 
something for which one was craving, one wants to retain it, cannot retain, again miserable. One wants to multiply it, cannot multiply, again miserable. One craves to get rid of unwanted situations and still one comes in contact with unwanted situations, miserable. So many reasons in the life where one becomes miserable. This enlightened person didn't stop there. He wanted to understand at a very deeper level where misery starts. And for that, like a, like a super scientist, I always call him a super scientist of spirituality. He never founded any religion. Wrongly, people started taking him as a founder of a religion, nothing doing. He was a super scientist to understand what the truth is, the reality pertaining to oneself, for which he started exploring the truths, truths of this material structure, corporeal structure, the truth of this mental structure, the combination of the two. What is happening? at the deepest level and he realized that at the deepest level there is a constant contact of mind and matter, constant contact. And because of this contact there is some sensation or the other in the body. Due to some reasons this sensation may be pleasant or this sensation may be unpleasant. Whenever one experiences a pleasant sensation, one starts reacting. Oh, wonderful. Craving, clinging, craving, clinging. And whenever one experiences unpleasant sensation, again one reacts. Aversion, hatred, aversion, hatred. At the depth of the mind, at the root level of the mind, this process of craving, aversion, craving, aversion, constantly taking place, day and night, asleep or awakened, sitting or standing, lying or walking, eating or drinking, in every position, in every posture, deep inside, this contact of mind and matter is going on. Sensations keep on arising and one keeps on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. To reach that stage and understand how craving has arisen and when craving arises, one notices one has lost the balance of the mind. One has lost the peace of the mind. One has become miserable. No harmony. So also, when aversion arises, one has lost the balance of the mind. One has lost the peace of the mind. 
one has lost the harmony of the mind. Misery, misery. So constantly at the root level of the mind, one keeps on generating craving, aversion, craving, aversion, and keeps on making oneself miserable. What a great ignorance. The whole life one keeps on working at the surface level of the mind. The so-called conscious mind keeps in contact with things outside, persons outside, likes them, dislikes them, reacts with craving, aversion. To come out of that habit of craving and aversion, both of which makes one miserable, there were many techniques. At that time in India and also abroad, many techniques how to calm down the mind. Don't generate craving. Don't generate aversion. But that was only temporary. It works only on the surface level of the mind. Surface of the mind will become very calm, tranquil, peaceful, even pure. But only surface of the mind or slightly deeper. But deep inside at the root level, the process of craving, aversion, craving, aversion, misery, misery is continuous. That ignorance has to be eradicated. And he found out a way. If you work only on the surface level of the mind and you are miserable due to this reason or that reason, there were many techniques divert your attention. Say you are very miserable and you are generating some negativity because of that, anger or hatred, and your misery gets multiplied. So a solution was given, divert your attention. If you are generating anger because of this reason or that reason, because of this person or that person, divert your attention to something else. Get up and drink a glass of water. Your attention is diverted. You will find the anger has become less. Or you start counting one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Your mind is diverted. Or any word. You keep on reciting any word. I am wearing the watch. Watch, 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 watch. The mind gets diverted. And you find the defilement is gone, the anger is gone. And your misery is gone. But it is difficult to decide such words. So a solution was given. You have devotion towards this particular deity or that particular deity. Recite the name of the deity. Or a mantra of the deity. Keep on reciting, reciting. Your great devotion. So it becomes easy for you to decide. You keep on reciting, reciting, reciting. The mind calms down. You have diverted your attention. Good. It worked in those days. It is working even today. But what happens at the depth, at the deepest level? You are not out of misery. So this enlightened person found out and said, Escape is no solution. Don't run away from the situation, from the truth. Face it. Observe it as it is. Anger is a reason. Just observe at this moment 
my mind is full of anger. Now let me observe anger as anger. But very difficult. When anger arises, so quickly it overpowers, it is so difficult to observe anger. One forgets all about observing the anger. One keeps on rolling in anger. So there must be somebody to remind, well, look, there is anger. Now you must observe the anger. One must have a secretary. Secretary will work only for one shift. <laughs> and within 24 hours, we don't know when the anger will arise. So you must have one secretary for every shift. Who can afford? All right, somebody is afforded. And there is a secretary. Anger is a reason. And the secretary says, Master, anger. Anger, you observe. And I shout, you are here to teach me. I pay you for teaching me. I know what to do. Anger. One gets so overpowered. Even if one does not shout, all right. Very kind of you. You reminded me. Now I will observe anger. How to observe anger? Anger has no shape, no color. How to observe? Very difficult. The moment you try to observe anger as anger, the object of anger, that keeps coming in mind. So-and-so insulted me. So-and-so did something against me. And that thought is giving fuel to your anger. Your anger becomes more and more, stronger and stronger. You're not coming out of it. To observe anger as abstract anger, cutting it off from all the objects, very difficult. If it is very difficult, then no solution. When they enlightened, one found a solution. He said, whenever anger or any impurity arises in the mind, two things start happening at the corporeal level, at the body level. One, your breath will be no more normal. It will become slightly hard, slightly fast. Second, there will be some sensation on the body. Nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body, a great discovery made by this enlightened scientist. Nothing can arise in mind. Anger is a reason. And if you practice, you will know. You start observing. You can't observe anger as anger, but you can observe your breath arising, coming, going, coming in, going out. And you can observe the sensations on the body. This burning sensation throughout the body. Palpitation increases. Tension gets built up. And you train your mind to observe, observe. And that was called vipassana. Observe the reality as it is. Just observe. Keep on observing. And you find, most of the time when you divert your attention, the defilement that has arisen, say the anger that has arisen, you feel it's gone away. Not gone away, you suppressed it. It has gone at the deeper level of the mind and keeps on boiling there, keeps on multiplying there. By this technique, you go to the deepest level of the mind and eradicate this defilement. For that, one important thing is, 
you have to train your mind to get concentrated on a small area with the object of truth truth pertaining to your own physical structure mental structure because the whole problem is the contact of mind and matter which generates some sensation or the other and you keep on reacting to that to one has to explore the truth about oneself this physical structure which one keeps on saying i mind i mind so very much identification with this physical structure and so much of attachment towards this physical structure and this mental structure i mind i mind identification and attachment what is this let me understand at the experiential level merely understanding it at the intellectual level or accepting it at the devotional because i got great faith in the words of so and so so all right i accept it after devotion doesn't work at the experiential level so explore the reality of this physical structure the mental structure from the surface to the deepest level first important thing train your mind to get concentrated one pointed one pointed concentration object must be reality no imagination is allowed reality no verbalization is allowed no visualization is allowed no speculation is allowed no imposition of this philosophy or that philosophy is allowed truth as it is so breath as it is whenever you decide to learn this technique you have to join a course of 10 days which looks very frightening 10 days how can i spare 10 days but when you understand how important it is you join a camp you are asked to explore the truth truth about yourself so sit down sit down comfortably in any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you any posture not necessary lotus posture or half lotus posture if someone can sit go ahead nothing wrong otherwise any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch keep your back and your neck straight because this will make your mind very attentive keep your eyes gently closed your mouth gently closed now there is no vocal action no physical action what reality has started manifesting itself pertaining to yourself pertaining to this mind matter phenomena what reality the first reality that you will experience the breath coming in the breath going out this is truth start with this start observing train your mind to observe the truth truth of the moment as it is as it is the breath coming in the breath going out just keep on observing do nothing don't interfere with the flow of the breath natural breath as it is if it is deep it is deep if it is shallow it is shallow 
If it passes through left nostril, left nostril. Right nostril, right nostril. It is not a breathing exercise. Don't try to control your breath. That is a different technique altogether. We call it pranayama. It has its own benefit. But this is totally different. Here you are developing your faculty to observe the reality as it is. From moment to moment, from moment to moment. So just accept the breath as it is. Like you are sitting at the bank of a river and the river is flowing. You do nothing for the flow of the river. It is natural. Natural flow is there. You are sitting at the bank and observing the flow. What difficulty? No difficulty. You do nothing. You are just sitting and observing. So keep your attention at the entrance of the nostril, a small area. Keep on observing. Keep on feeling the flow of the breath. The natural flow of the breath. So easy. But whenever you make up your mind to join a course of vipassana, first day you will find so difficult, so difficult. You will hardly observe a couple of breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And you realize, oh, what happened? I was here to observe my breath. Why? What happened? All right, you again start. But you find again, it is wandered away. Again, it is wandered away. Quite a few students on the first day, new students, we find one gets frustrated, irritated, start generating negativity towards oneself, towards one's own mind. What sort of mind I am carrying? Such an easy job just to observe, do nothing, and yet it can't do. The guide will say, no, no negativity. You have come here to get rid of negativities, to purify. Purify your mind. Negativity is negativity. Anger is anger. Whether you generate for others or for yourself, it is a misery for you. Don't generate anger. Just accept the truth. You were observing the breath. Mind wandered away. You realize, oh, it has wandered away. Just accept the truth. Oh, the mind has wandered away. All right? The breath is still there. I start again. And you start again. Again it wanders. Again you realize. You accept it. Again start. Like this, you keep on working patiently, persistently, patiently, persistently. The second day, the third day, you find the mind is calming down, calming down. Not that it has totally calmed down, but compared to the first day, much better, much better. Another thing you will notice, because you are working on the truth, only breath, no imagination is allowed. No speculation, no visualization, no verbalization, no suggestions, outer suggestion or outer suggestion. Truth as it is. So naturally the breath becomes shorter and shorter, finer and finer. So fine and so short, like a thread, it comes out and makes a U-turn immediately. So fine. And you're observing it, you're feeling it. So the mind also becomes subtler and subtler, sharper and sharper, more and more sensitive. By the time you reach the third day, end of the third day, you find that the mind has become so sensitive, it has started experiencing so many other sensations, so many other realities, sensations on this part of the body, throughout the body, constantly 
some biochemical reaction is taking place, some electromagnetic reaction is taking place throughout the body, manifesting itself as this sensation or that sensation. But our mind is so gross, it can feel only very unpleasant, gross, solidified sensations like pain, pressure, heaviness. But there are so many different types of sensations throughout the body, outside, inside, so subtle sometimes, a very subtle oscillation going on throughout the body. Mind is to be trained to feel all that. So by the time you reach the third day, you finish the third day, you start feeling sensations in this area, different kinds of sensations, maybe heat, maybe perspiration, maybe throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, maybe heaviness, numbness, different types of sensations. And you train your mind to observe, just observe. As you are training your mind to observe the breath, just observe, do nothing, just observe. The reality as it is, not as you would like it to be, as it is. And observing the breath, observing the breath, one reality becomes so clear that the apparent level it looks, that breath is related to the body, is a function of the body. The lungs are working and that is why I am breathing in or breathing out. True. But not 100% true. The breath is strongly related to mind also. And very strongly related to mental impurities. As one is observing the breath, observing the breath, mind has wandered away in the past or in the future and suddenly some negative emotion arises and one notices the breath has lost its normality. It is no more normal. It becomes slightly hard, slightly fast. And when that impurity is gone away, again it becomes normal. Oh, the enlightened one wanted us to work with the breath, nothing but breath, just to understand that this is related to the mind and mental impurities and you have to see how these mental impurities arise at the deep level. So start with the breath. And now the sensations, different kinds of sensations. Initially, one feels these are all related to body, body sensations. There is pain, pressure, or tingling, or vibration, whatever it is. But then very soon one realizes these body sensations are strongly related to mind. Body can't feel it. The mind is feeling it. Sensations are on the body, but the mind is feeling it. And strongly related to mental impurities. Whatever arises in the mind, arises with the sensation on the body. A great discovery by this scientist. Anger as a reason, particular type of sensation will arise. Fear as a reason, particular type of sensation will arise. Oh, so these sensations are related to the impurities of the mind also. You keep on observing, keep on observing. The old habit pattern was to react to these sensations. When you experience a very unpleasant sensation, like pain, pressure, heaviness, the habit pattern was to react with aversion, hatred, you don't like it. <clears throat> and suddenly, maybe on the fifth day or sixth day or seventh day, you start feeling very pleasant sensations, a flow of very subtle vibrations throughout the body, very pleasant. And the old tendency was to react with craving, clinging, ah, wonderful, this is what I was looking for, I got it, my meditation, wonderful, look, I feel so much pleasant sensations. 
the guide will say, no, keep on observing the nature of these sensations. Whether you come across unpleasant sensations or you come across pleasant sensations, observe them and understand what is the characteristic, what is the nature. Every sensation has the same characteristic, characteristic of arising, passing away, arising, passing away, not eternal. A very unpleasant, gross, solidified sensation arises, seems to stay for some time, but sooner or later passes away, is not eternal. And when it changes into very pleasant, pleasant vibrations, then also, same characteristic, wavelets, wavelets, arising, passing, arising, passing, with great rapidity. Characteristic remains the same, arising, passing, arising, passing, not eternal, not eternal. Now you train your mind at the experiential level. Something which is so ephemeral, which keeps on changing, constantly changing. What is the sense in reacting towards it with craving or with aversion? Let me observe. Let me observe. Oh, look, it has passed away. Let me observe. Look, it has passed away. You are changing your habit pattern. At the deepest level of the mind, there is a constant contact of mind and matter. And there is a constant, some sensation or the other is constantly there. And the habit pattern of this bottom part, the deepest part of the mind is, keep on, keep on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. And when one reaches that stage, by experience one understands, whenever I generate any craving, I lose the balance of my mind, I lose the peace of my mind. Whenever I generate aversion, I lose the balance of my mind, I lose the peace of my mind. At that depth, you started changing your habit pattern. And it becoming clearer and clearer how I become miserable. There were teachers in India at the time of Buddha and even before Buddha. And the teaching of many of them was that when you come across any sensual object, like eyes comes in contact with some shape or form or color or light, the ear comes in contact with the sound, the nose comes in contact with the smell, the tongue comes in contact with the taste, body comes in contact with something tangible, mind comes in contact with some thought or emotion, don't get indulged. Don't say this is wonderful and start craving. Don't say it is bad and start aversion. That teaching was there. And what was the contribution of Buddha? Wonderful contribution. As I say, a very super scientist of the interaction of mind and matter. He says, no, you are not reacting to outside object. It appears to be so that you are reacting to some outside object which has come in contact with the sense door. You are not reacting to that. When an outside object comes in contact with the sense door, there is a sensation in the body, pleasant or unpleasant, according to the valuation that you, has, that you have given to this outside object, pleasant, unpleasant. And then you start reacting with craving, aversion, craving, aversion. So work at the level of body sensation. If you are not working at the level of body sensation, you are purifying your mind only at the surface level, at the intellectual level. It's not purifying the totality of the mind. You can't come out of your misery totally. 
partially for some time yes you are out of your misery but you can't eradicate the root of the misery he said there is a great poisonous tree in your compound you don't like it you cut it off yes you cut it off the roots are still there another tree will sprout more trees will sprout you are not out of it so similarly you purify your mind at the surface level or even slightly deeper level at the root level the process of craving aversion craving aversion is going on and that is related to the sensations on the body if you reach that stage that you feel sensations and still you don't don't react with craving or with aversion you are changing the behavior pattern of your mind at the root level at the root level you are coming out of your misery coming out of your misery it is for this purpose this mental exercise to train the mind first to make it very sharp very sharp very sensitive and that is possible only when you work with the truth if you start working with any imagination the mind will get concentrated mind will get concentrated it will be very peaceful also but only at the surface level deep inside the same process going on when you are with the truth truth pertaining to the combination of mind and matter the interaction of mind and matter and from the breath you go deeper 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 feel sensations throughout the body initially people come across very gross solidified intensified sensations like pain pressure heaviness you are training to remain equanimous you are with the truth again with the truth no imagination and you are equanimous equanimous you are just observing not reacting not reacting at times because of the old habit you react but there are times when you don't react you are training your mind not to react not to react law of nature is such all the solidity of the body starts getting disintegrated divided disintegrated dissolved dissolved another great discovery of this person remember 26 centuries back when there was not this modern scientific instruments he made this discovery by his own insight the entire physical structure no solidity is there it is made of very tiny little atoms the word for atom in those days he coined the word and he said kalapa kalapa means the tiniest particle of the material world and that also is not solid that tiniest particle is also just wavelet wavelet and start experiencing the world outside the entire material world wavelet wavelet the entire mental structure wavelet wavelet initially you come across very solidified like mental emotion comes and you keep on observing with the help of the sensation observing observing this also gets dissolved wavelet wavelet mind and matter both wavelets 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 entire world is wavelets 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 one starts understanding what i am craving for why i am having aversion everything just wavelets arising passing arising passing behavior pattern starts changing and the entire process of mind and matter becomes so clear how the mind is working 
how the mind keeps on influencing the body and how body keeps on influencing the mind. One reaches the stage where the entire body is mere vibrations, vibration, no solidity. Some people reach within the first ten day, others maybe in second ten day or third ten day. Entire body, mere vibration, no solidity. Outside, inside, no solidity. Your attention has come on the eyes, vibration, vibration, ears, vibration, vibration, nose, vibration, vibration, tongue, vibration, vibration, body, vibration, vibration, mind, vibration, vibration, and the respective objects, the shape, the form, the color, vibration, sound, vibration, smell, vibration, taste, vibration, touch, vibration, emotion, vibration, all vibration, vibration, what happens now? Your attention has come to the ear sense door and the sound has come in contact. How the mind is working? Now one part of the mind, its job is to cognize, hey look something has happened. Something has happened at the ear sense door or something has happened at this sense door or that sense door. Ear sense door, something has happened. That's all, it will cognize. And immediately there is a sensation because there is a contact. Whenever there is a contact, there is bound to be a sensation, a neutral sensation in the body. And immediately another part of the mind will raise its head. What sound? With all the experience of the past, with all the memory of the past, this part of the mind will recognize. What sound? Oh, these are words. What words? Oh, words of insult, words of abuse or the words of praise, it has recognized and also given evaluation. Words of abuse, very bad. Words of praise, ah, wonderful. And as soon as this valuation is given, the neutral sensation throughout the body changes. When the valuation given, very bad, the flow of the vibration throughout the body becomes so unpleasant, unpleasant vibration throughout the body. Evolution given, praise, wonderful, the flow becomes so pleasant, so pleasant. Third part of the mind starts feeling these sensations on the body. Immediately the fourth part will raise its head. Pleasant sensation, ah, wonderful, I like it. Craving, craving, clinging, clinging. Unpleasant sensation, I don't like it. Aversion, hatred, aversion, hatred. It becomes clearer and clearer. At the apparent level it looks that I am reacting to the outside object. Somebody has insulted me by saying such unpleasant words, that's why I am reacting with aversion. Somebody has praised me and I like it, therefore I am reacting with craving and clinging. This is only apparent truth, not the actual truth. This scientist went to the depth and found out you are reacting to the body sensations. You can rectify your mind at the surface level, somebody is abusing you, insulting you, you don't care. No, I won't react. I won't react. Somebody is praising you, I don't care. You don't react. Good. You are keeping your mind equanimous. But where? Only on the surface level of the mind. The deep inside the process, the same. So he wants us to go to the stage where we can feel the sensations and don't react. It becomes so clear that we are reacting not to the outside object, but to the sensations that we feel on the body. And once one develops the faculty, one to feel the sensation, and second to remain equanimous with the sensation, 
don't react, don't react. So many problems of the life get solved. Something has happened in the life and one feels very sorry, very distressed, very depressed. Just accept the fact. At this moment, my mind is full of depression or full of distression, very unhappy, very misery. According to the law of nature, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. So there must be a sensation now on the body. And whatever sensation you feel, if you are a good Vipassana meditator, whatever sensation you feel, start observing it. <coughs> depression has come and the sensation is there. This depression is related to sensation. This sensation is related to depression. Let me see. Let me observe. And with your experience as a Vipassana meditator, you know, this does not last forever. Not eternal. It has come to pass away. And see, it passes away. So this particular impurity that has come in the mind is also not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. It becomes weaker, weaker, weaker and passes away. If fear has come, just accept the fact, fear. Not fear due to this or due to that. Nothing doing. Fear as fear. Anger as anger. Passion as passion. Whatever impurity arises in the mind, just accept the fact. This particular impurity has arisen in the mind. Let me see what sensation I have. And keep on observing the sensation. You are not suppressing it. And you are coming out of it. You are coming out of it. A number of uh, meditators who come to the course, they have taken a vow of celibacy. They have left the householder's life. And now they are religious leaders of their particular religion. In different religions, the Christians, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, They've taken vow of celibacy. Very easy to take the vow of celibacy, but to maintain, very difficult. Passion keeps on arising. Lust keeps on arising. And because they have taken a vow, keep on suppressing. They keep on suppressing. One becomes a psychic case. <laughs> Runs to the psychiatrist. Please help me. Or out of madness, one breaks the celibacy. Or performs some very heinous crime. And then feels very guilty. That guilt complex, again misery, misery. Vipassana gives a solution. Whenever passion arises, lust arises, just observe it. At this moment, there is lust in my mind. Let me see what sensation. Let me see what sensation. And you keep on observing. It's not eternal. Sensations are not eternal. The lust is not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. It cannot overpower you. And you are coming out of it. Fear has come, coming out of it. Since last two months I am traveling this great country and I find this horrible incident of September has such a big impact on the people. Understandable, this uh, terrorist, inhuman, so cruel, without knowing whom I am killing, one does not know even has no personal enmity, and yet kill, kill such madness. Great impact on the mind of the people. And now, with the fear that there may be a, a dirty bomb exploded, what will happen? What will happen? Of course, the government's duty is to look after the safety of the people and that they are doing. 
But the people also, when I see, when I meet people, and when I read in the newspapers here, what a great fear. Fear is overpowering people. This technique helps. Just accept the fact there is fear now. And let me observe what sensation I have. You are coming out of it. Coming out. You have to remain alert for your safety. Good. But don't become a victim of fear. If we become victim of fear, then we are supporting these terrorists. This is what the terrorists want. They want to create terror, horror in the society. They become so frightened and they kneel down and say, all right, whatever you want, we will agree. Please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. Then we are supporting. No. One must be fearless. And the technique helps you to become fearless. One has to do whatever is necessary to do for one's safety, but not with fear, without fear, without fear. The whole technique teaches us to be out of fear. No fear even if death comes. We personal meditators, good meditators, they don't die unconscious. They don't die with fear. They don't die crying. There have been cases, information keeps coming to us, about 20 such cases where somebody is suffering with Cancer, and the cancer, so painful, at the terminal stage, very painful, unbearable. One is a Vipassana meditator, keeps on observing, keeps on observing, not reacting to it. No medicine to become unconscious, observing, observing, smiling, smiling, passes away. It is an art of dying. An art of dying can be attained only when you learn art of living. How to live. How to live peacefully and harmoniously within. And generate nothing but peace and harmony for the others outside. When I do not know how to maintain peace and harmony within myself, I keep on generating some negativity or the other. And I am the first victim of negativity. Anybody who generates negativity, anger, hatred, ill will, animosity... This person is the first victim, becomes so miserable. And this person never keeps misery to oneself, keeps on throwing misery on others. When I generate negativity, the entire atmosphere around me becomes so tense. Anybody comes in contact with me at that time, becomes miserable. This is what I had been doing the whole life. Making myself miserable, making others miserable. This is not the proper way of life. And by this technique, you generate nothing but peace and harmony. Peace and harmony. The entire atmosphere around you is charged with the vibration of peace and harmony. Anybody who comes in contact feels peace, feels harmony. A way of life, good way of life, peaceful way of life, wholesome way of life, healthy way of life. Nothing to do to convert oneself from one religion to another. Buddha never founded a religion. And this technique is not interested to convert people from one organized religion to another organized religion. Conversion is there. But conversion from misery to happiness. Conversion from bondage to liberation. Conversion from cruelty to compassion, which is human values. How to develop human values in our life. And how to become peaceful ourselves and how to others help others to remain peaceful. A wonderful technique which worked for about five centuries in India, helped people there, and later on, due to some reason or the other, 
it got lost. Went to many neighboring countries, there also it got lost. Only one country, Myanmar or Burma, maintained this technique in its pristine purity for over 2,000 years. Teacher to pupil, teacher to pupil, from generation to generation. Very few people, rest of the people, they were all involved in their rites, rituals, ceremonies, happy with that. But the technique was only with very few people. And now it has come out of that in its pure form, pristine pure form, and has started helping people around the world. A Christian remains a Christian, a Hindu remains a Hindu, a Buddhist, Buddhist, a Muslim, a Muslim. One becomes a good human being. That is more important. If one is not a good human being, how can be a good Christian? How can be a good Hindu or how can be a good Muslim? A good, a good Buddhist? A good human being. To live a life full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This is what every religion teaches. But how to achieve that stage? Not merely by sermons, one has to practice. And here is a practice. Of course, one has to spend some, some time. Minimum ten days one has to spare. Because first three days, you just train your mind to become sharp, sharp, subtle, subtle, sensitive, sensitive. And then only you start feeling the sensations. And initially very gross sensations and working, working, working. You come to the stage where the entire structure is mere vibrations, vibrations. Then the real process of transformation of the mind, real process of purification of the mind at the deepest level start. So all of you who have taken time to listen this technique about Vipassana may also find time for 10 days to experience it for your good, for your benefit, for your happiness. And maybe through you, good benefit and happiness of so many others. May all of you be happy, be peaceful, be liberated liberated from all the miseries, all the miseries. Oftentimes, when a spiritual leader dies, the movement also dies. What will happen to Vipassana when you die? <laughs> Well, there are so many people who are trained now. Already there are 700 teachers who are teaching around the world. And every year, more and more are being trained. Don't worry, Vipassana won't die. It will continue to help people. A very simple scientific technique. How will it die? Unless you mix something else with it. If you keep purity, it won't die. What has impressed you most about your tour of the USA? As I say, I was very happy. This great country, wonderful country, developed in different ways. But if spirituality is added to this, if Vipassana is added to this, this will become the greatest country, not only materially, but also spiritually. I meet my students around when I go out. I meet so many people like you. And I also read papers, people keep on meeting me, and I told you, this sort of fear that is there now, this must be removed, and Vipassana will help you to remove it. Why does your wife travel with you? Oh. Because she is my wife.
I am not complete without her. She is half, or better half. So she must be with me to make me complete. Do you ever get discouraged or depressed? Vipassana helps me. Even any little depression comes, I observe my sensation, I'm out of it. A wonderful remedy is there, why I should get depressed or discouraged? There is always optimism. I see the future, this wonderful technique, which got lost from the world and has come out now from the last 30 years or so, will spread around the world. People will start accepting it. Now there is some hesitation. Some people think this is Buddhism. As I started thinking when I went first time, this is Buddhism. I may become Buddhist. Oh, no, no, I don't want to become Buddhist. All those things are there. But people will start understanding it as a mental exercise. As every village, every district, every town, you've got gymnasium, you've got schools, you've got hospitals. So, in a generation or two, every village will have one Vipassana center. There is no doubt about that. Doesn't every successful businessman have to be dishonest at times? Why dishonest? Honesty is the best policy for a businessman. But you have forgotten that. And if only the aim is to earn money, earn money, earn money, you will get money. But no peace of mind. You must earn money, no doubt, as a householder, as a businessman. But see that your customer is not harmed. So don't be dishonest to your customer. He gives you the bread. He gives you the food. He gives you the money. Your bank balance is because of your customer, the consumer. So when one starts understanding by this technique, I should not harm anybody. I should not harm anybody. Then the business will increase. I know my own myself. I was born in a business house and uh, mid-twenties I was quite successful in business but a very miserable person. So much of tension, so much of ego, such a short-tempered person. And after taking Vipassana, what a big change came. I didn't lose my business. My turnover increased, my profit increased, and my sympathy for others, love for others, compassion for others increased. I started living a better life. Have you reached the final goal of realization? <laughs> yes, compared to what I was before, when I was before 31 years age, and when I compare what I am today, certainly I have attained so much of peace and harmony, and it is progressively one reaches the final goal. Certainly, there is a big progress, and anybody who walks on the path finds that one is progressing on the path. Some traditions give importance to the development of Jhanic stages. Can you talk about jhanas and the pros and cons of this practice? Yes. Before Buddha became Buddha, there were these jhanas, that means absorption samadhis, they are called jhanas. You get absorbed in the object and get uh, samadhi. That is good. As I told you, you have any object, you start reciting a word, you have any shape or form, imagination of that, you get absorbed. Many techniques to get absorbed, and this is called jhana. It purifies the mind, calms the mind, but to a certain level only. It does not take you to the depth of the mind. And vipassana 
was discovered by Buddha to go to the depth of the mind, eradicate all the source of the impurities and the miseries. Is vegetarianism a part of vipassana? Yes, during the courses, only vegetarian, very healthy vegetarian food is given. But we don't insist that going back home you must be vegetarian. But people find, as they progress in vipassana, they find that non-vegetarian food doesn't suit them in the progress of their vipassana. So many of them have become vegetarian, but we don't force them to become vegetarian of their own will. If they become very good, otherwise it doesn't matter. Can we practice vipassana without attending 10-day camp? Oh. <laughs> you start bargaining? <laughs> I had also bargained with my teacher when I went there. Oh, Sriyaji, I am such a busy person. How can I spare 10 days? Impossible. But see, I am very intelligent. You give me the technique, I'll practice at home. I can't spare 10 days. He won't agree. All right, one day. I'll practice with you one day. Rest I will do at home. Doesn't work. You have to spare 10 days to go to the depth of the mind and you have to work continuously in the congenial atmosphere with the proper guide. So spare 10 days. I do not understand the contradiction of being a relaxed state before one starts Vipassana and get oh and get keeping the straight back and neck yes this helps you whenever you find that inadvertently you bend down straighten up nothing wrong in there straighten up and you'll find your attention becomes more exact you are with the breath so it helps you come to the course and then you'll find how it helps you Could you give an example of subtle sensations that one feels in good vipassana? What example? You come and experience. Without experiencing, what can be said? This is something which you experience. Very subtle vibration. The whole body, the solidity goes away. Outside or inside, there is no solidity. At the apparent level, yes, the body is quite solid. But at the real level, this is just mere atoms, atoms, vibrating, vibrating. Not a theory, not a scientific uh, belief or any religious belief. This is something you experience and the technique helps you to experience it. Eyes closed, yes, eyes closed. When you meditate and you keep your eyes open, then outside object will distract your mind. How can you feel the reality within yourself? Therefore, during meditation, always keep your eyes closed. What about mental illness? Is there hope for people with mental illness? Yes, certainly. Everyone has got mental illness. I don't find anybody who is free from mental illness. <laughs> when you generate craving, you are an Ill, Ill person, sick person. You generate aversion, you are a sick person. You generate any defilement and people keep on generating this defilement or that defilement. Come out of those defilements and you are a healthy person, out of your illness. How can this meditation help addiction? This is what it does. Apparently it looks you are addicted to alcohol, to drug, to smoking, this or that. But whenever people come, 
with this kind of addiction. They want to come out of addiction. They have tried so many ways and they can't come out of it. A big alcoholic comes. I tell him, you are not addicted to alcohol. This is only apparent truth. The real truth is, when you take alcohol, you feel certain sensation in the body. And your mind deep inside starts liking it. Wonderful. This sensation is wonderful. And you start craving for that sensation. You want that sensation again and again. So you take alcohol to get that sensation. You get alcohol to get sensation. You are addicted to this body sensation. The technique helps you to observe the sensation without reaction. Observe, observe, observe. You are out of addiction. Many alcoholics come out of it within 10 days course or some, some in two 10 day courses, some in three 10 day courses. This is the easiest way to get eradicated all the addictions of alcohol or any other kind of intoxicants. What is the significance of bhanga and how should one work with it when experiencing this stage? When you experience this stage, then only we will tell you what to do now. Come and take 10 day course. Bhanga means total dissolution. First you get dissolution of the solidity on the surface level. You get a free flow of subtle vibrations throughout the body. No solidity. But then you have to go deep inside also. The entire physical structure, outside, inside, mere vibration, mere vibration. The mental structure, mere vibration, mere vi That is called bhanga, which means total dissolution. And when you have that, then you can work with your impurity very easily. Then you can feel how the impurity arises and how it can be eradicated. Do you have any advice about sitting a 10-day course during pregnancy? Wonderful. This is the time when a pregnant mother comes to a course. She is not only working for herself. She is also working for the child. And vibration that is given to the child at that time. Purification, purification of the mind. And then the last day they learn how to give love, compassion, pure love, compassion, goodwill. This input that is given to the child, whole life, child lives such a healthy life, peaceful life. Otherwise, during pregnancy, when the mother keeps on generating anger, passion, fear, what you are giving, what advice you are giving to the child, what input you are giving to the child. So, many pregnant mothers do come to these courses. They want Dhamma baby and they get Dhamma baby. Very peaceful babies. What is the difference between Vipassana and meditation as prescribed in yogas, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali? If you are a good Vipassana meditator and then you read Patanjali Yoga, you will find 95% of the sutras are nothing but Vipassana. At some places, they are just translation of Pali into Sanskrit. But of course, some changes are made. But you practice Vipassana and then you find the difference. When it is said that this technique helps you to get liberated, but yes, yes, if you surrender yourself to the God Almighty, that also you get liberated. That is easy to surrender yourself. Why work all these 10 days and then 20 days and then one month? All those things. Why take all those trouble? And this is how Vipassana got lost in the country. There is no comparison with the two because merely using the words won't help. The practice was lost. Now in the name of Patanjali Yoga, only asanas are there and pranayam is there. Where is this, this Vipassana which is totally lost? Practice Vipassana and then you will find the difference yourself. I have done that and that is why I say so. <laughs> Which arises first? 
thought or sensation. Simultaneously, as the thought arises, a sensation is there. As the thought arises, it's a contact. Thought means in the mind, and mind is with the body. The, as soon as there is a contact, there is a sensation. Contact, there is a sensation. How does one not become too attached to someone they love? Love, but why attached? Have you detached love? Attached love means you are expecting something from this person. And pure love is without any expectation. It is one bit traffic. Just give. Just give. If you are attached and if by any reason you miss this person, then you are so miserable. Attachment was there. In a detached way, you are happy in every situation. You keep on expressing goodwill for this person. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you get liberated. So keeps you happy in every situation. No more? Oh. Good. Your brochure says, your method is scientific. I understand your organization doesn't permit gay or lesbian people from attending advanced courses. Can you explain? We are permitting wherever there is a possibility, there is a facility, we are do permitting. There is no question of not permitting. Ten-day courses for everybody, but after that you make a, such a deep operation and deep-rooted complexes keep coming out. In ten-day courses we have segregation of male and female. Total segregation, meditation, eating and bathing, everything separate. Because a deep passion may arise and something may go wrong, therefore they are separated. Now what happens when gay comes then? Male to male also separation. Female to female also separation. So there must be that facility. Wherever we have facility, we are giving long courses and that is why even some gay or lesbian has become teachers, assistant teachers. Don't have this wrong impression in your mind. How you remained a practicing Hindu when one practices Dhamma, then one becomes a Dhammic. Dhamma is for all. When you say Hinduism, then it's only for Hindus. When you say Christianity, only for Christian. Islam, only for Muslims. But when you say Dhamma, law of nature, Dhamma is law of nature, anybody can practice and become a Dhammic person. Why is yoga practice not allowed during a 10-day Vipassana course? Asana and pranayama, which are physical exercises, perfectly all right. But during the course, time is so short. Even 10 days, people find it so difficult to spare. So continuity is broken once you start doing something else. After 10 days, when you go back home, practice yoga, practice asana and pranayama for your physical health and vipassana for your mental health. But don't mix up any technique of meditation with, with the vipassana. That will be harmful. How can a mother of young children take 10 days away without damaging them? Well, there must be somebody else in the house. A father can look after the children or the mother-in-law can look after the children. This is what is happening. In some cases, they bring their children wherever there is facility. It's not everywhere. In some courts, some centers, the children are looked after by dhamma workers. They take care and the mother or the father. Or they come separately. Mother comes and then the father takes, takes care of the children. The father comes, the mother takes care. You have to adjust yourself. If a Vipassana meditator's spouse has not experienced Vipassana, does it cause problem in their relationship? Have better relationship? Ask her, she also practices. 
if both of you are vipassana meditators you will find the relationship has become stronger and stronger and more more result oriented you get very good result and you live a very happy life but you can't persuade somebody be a good vipassana meditator yourself and when you find that your spouse is seeing a big change in you will get attracted if no change in you why he'll spend 10 days of his life <laughs> so work properly and see that a change comes in your life do you believe in a higher power higher power is there purity is higher power you get connected with purity the more and more your mind is purer purer you get in tune with all the good pure vibrations of the universe so the higher power is purity and you get connected with that tuned up with that will meditation help my career certainly it will help your career whatever profession you have if you practice you will find your mind has become very calm quiet tranquil pure so any work that you are doing your capacity to work increases your decision making increases any problem has come you can easily go to the depth of the problem and make right decision quick decision so any career you are in you will find that you are making progress in that and getting good results so i think there are many more questions but time for only one more one more after that i am liberated yes sir <laughs> good is there a concept of faith from buddha faith is necessary but not blind faith faith in the law of nature the law of nature is so clear if i generate impurity in the mind i am the first victim i become miserable you experience this once twice and then you have faith yes this is harmful for me you purify your mind you start experiencing so much of peace and harmony this is law of nature so your faith in law of nature law of nature is that you keep your mind pure if you break this law you will be punished punished then and there and if you live in line with the law of nature you will be rewarded rewarded with peace and harmony so you develop faith in the law of nature by experience and develop that by first experiencing vipassana may all of you enjoy real peace real harmony real happiness in life